What's going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here, ready to talk some football with my good buddy Andy Herman after the Packers get their first dub on the season. Andy, clearly we got to leave with special teams here. I kid, I kid, we did that last week. We actually have some uh, good stuff to talk about. Obviously, lots to work on. 30,000-foot view, what was your takeaway from this game that, you know, was pretty much, I'm not going to say over at halftime, but the Packers were clearly in control by then. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, happy very first Victory Monday. It always feels a little bit better on Mondays when it's a Victory Monday. Um, You know, I guess long view of this, I I felt like this is the formula, right? Like, this is it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, overall. And clearly, a a nice part of the formula is playing the Chicago Bears, who are just devoid (laughs) of talent, honestly. Um, But I do feel like this is what they're going to have to do moving forward. And that's play sound defense, you know, Nothing too exotic here. There wasn't anything too crazy, not a bunch of crazy blitzes, kind of the same sort of similar dynamic that they played against Minnesota, but obviously a lot more success up front. Tackling is a little bit of an issue, certainly, but give credit to David Montgomery there too. But play sound defense, play sound special teams, a night and day difference so far with the special teams and just overall competence so far, which is nice. And then on offense, they're a run first offense and at least a running back first offense with Jones and Dylan no and getting those guys, the touches that they need. And that's, that's a dynamic change. This has been a Aaron Rodgers led offense for forever and a quarterback driven offense for even longer than that. And, you know, it, it's a, a change when all of a sudden you go from, you know, all these weapons, whether it was the, the five wides that they could go with all the talent that they had, or just having guys like Jordy Nelson and Devonte Adams for forever that can just tear defenses apart now this is a, a Jones and Dylan led offense. And I thought that they put the formula in place. No, no wide receiver had more than four targets. They spread around the ball to nine different guys. Jones and Dylan were the dominant performers. The offensive line got out and run block. They controlled the, the clock. They controlled the tempo. The defense played 41 total snaps, which is beyond ridiculous. Which is absolutely nuts. Yeah. And that, no that, that's the formula. So, I, you know, I think the, the questions are still going to remain when they're down 10 points in the second half and have to throw their way back into things. How does that look? It didn't look great against Minnesota. Um, so I think there's still going to be questions out there, but this was a, a night and day difference from week one. To me, you talk about the offense and being running back led, and it's obvious they need to run through those two guys. There's no question about it. I loved Matt's note after the game when he was asked about Elton Jenkins and saying, Absolutely. you know, obviously there's some rust there, but you know, Matt's quote, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but was like, I don't think we win if he's not out there. And I don't know if that's strictly true, but <laughs> you talk about changing the engine. Right. As far as we talked all offseason about how the health up front would be so important for this group. You saw it really strain them last week in Minnesota. Just getting Elton there, that ripple effect of knocking Newman then to guard, getting Hanson off the field. And I'm not blaming last week on Hanson, but you can definitely tell there's a much better unit with Jenkins on the field and everything they wanted to do, whether it's running the ball, getting both of those backs involved or the play pass stuff where we saw him hit Watkins a couple times, both early and late. All of that flows because they're working up front in a way that they certainly weren't last week. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't know if I've talked about it on here before, but I've talked about it in the past where I really feel like a, a starting five offensive line is like a starting five rotation in baseball. And if you've got your ace and your number two guy pitching really, really well and taking care of things two out of every five days, like then the next three days, you know, you're right. just trying to get one of those three, right? And they just have to be okay. And you can live with a poor number five here and there. But all of a sudden your ace and your number two guy go out and all of a sudden your number three guy needs to be your ace and your number four guy needs to be your number two. Everything changes. It's the same along the offensive line. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's one thing to have just Bakhtiari and, and Jenkins out. 
But now when all of a sudden you've got guys pitching out of rotation and you've got all of a sudden, um, you know, John Runyon Jr. needs to be your one and Myers needs to be your two. But more importantly, now you've got Royce Newman out of position. You've got Jake Hansen starting at right guard. The fact that Elton's in there and clearly not his greatest performance of all time, he'd be the first to admit, but I think both Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers in their post-game presser tell you all you need to know about how important that he was in that game. Um, but the fact that it moves Royce into his more dominant position at right guard, the, the, and you don't have to put him at right tackle, the fact that you don't have to have Jake Hansen out there at right guard, and it just settles everything else down along the offensive line. I think it's going to be the same thing with Bakhtiari, hopefully, you know, when they get him back. And, you know, I thought Yash played really well in this game, but, you know, being able to put him at left tackle, it just, it, everything is settled. You've got your ace, you've got your number two, and it just felt so much better with Elton Jenkins in there. You could feel it from the very beginning of the game. Uh, speaking, sticking on the offensive line, something I've seen kind of popping up now, and I think we saw some of this last year, and it certainly seems to have continued here these first two weeks from fans online about Josh Myers. And it definitely, I saw a number of kind of disparaging tweets during the game. And I don't know what people expect. Like, this guy is still very young. He hasn't played a full season yet because of the games he missed last year. Yep. And I think you can point to a number of plays where his athleticism is on display, his ability to get to the second level in really quick manner. I, I understand that there are mistakes. I understand there's things that you want to, as they always say, they want to clean up. But, man, Myers is playing pretty darn – or played pretty darn well in that game last night. And I – I just feel the need to kind of come to his defense because I just feel like fans expect a finished product and they want this kid to come out and be Corey Lindsley. Hell, Corey Lindsley wasn't Corey Lindsley early on in his career, you know? Uh, I, I wonder if you're seeing it the same way or if I'm kind of just hopeful for this kid a little bit too much. No, I, I do. I haven't had a chance to watch the L22 for the offense yet. I finished up the defense. Haven't had a chance to watch the offense yet, but um, I'm intrigued to see how he played in this game, but I'm with you. Like, he hasn't played 16 or now 17 games, whatever you want to call it a full, a full season of football right. yet. And I know like green Bay for all the talk about being spoiled at quarterback, green Bay has been pretty darn spoiled that center, basically going back yeah. to Frank winners, you know, Scott Wells, Mike Flanagan. We don't um, talk about the Jeff Saturday year. We don't No, we don't. No, no, that's a small blip in the radar. Uh, <laughs> you know, but the, I mean, clearly this has been a position that's been very good for a very long time in green Bay. So if there's even a little dip um, it, it feels, uh, you know, a little bit more significant, I think. I think yeah. he's going to be a very good center in this league. He's also learning a, a PhD in Aaron Rodgers isms and everything, you know, getting an <laughs> earful from him in practice and trying to get all the, the things right that Aaron wants right at the line of scrimmage too. I think as, as he gets a full season under his belt, he's going to be a very good center for a long time. You can see the athleticism. You can see his ability to get to the second level. He's got the size and the strength that you want from that position. Uh, he, he's going to be a good center for a long time in this league. I think again, it's just, like you said, preach patience a little bit with players that are just in their second year, haven't played a full season yet. Sticking with young players, uh, obviously a lot of discussion this week leading up to this game coming out of that game in Minnesota was about the young wide receivers. You just mentioned the kind of disparate passing attack, right? The idea that they didn't really focus on anybody. Were you surprised that Alan Lazard wasn't more of a focus? And I don't think it was ever going to be like, okay, Lazard is now Devante and we're going to target him 10, 12 times, what have you. But were you a little surprised at all in any way that Lazard wasn't fed a little bit more? Um, I guess it hadn't gone through my mind. It wasn't anything that caught me off guard originally. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting because 
this is going to be a wide receiver group that they rotate a lot of guys in. We're going to see Cobb. We're going to see Watkins. We're going to see Lazard. We're going to see Watson. We're going to see Dobbs. I think we're going to see five wideouts. You know, we certainly won't be week. seeing Amari Rodgers. No, he did get one snap. I think he got I one snap. One snap. He's 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 increasing his snaps a hundred percent. One at a time. By the end of the year, he's going to be at seventeen snaps, Aaron. It's going to be epic. Um, but uh, but in sincerity, like they're going to play five guys at wide receiver, which is going to just limit the overall production that I think any of those guys can have in any given week. They're going to target Tunyon. They're going to target the running backs out of the backfield. I think this is just going to be that sort of attack moving forward. And I think it probably feels a little bit different if Rodgers hits Lazard a little bit ahead on the the, the throw in the end zone. Um, and right. Rodgers, you know, said it himself. That should have been a touchdown pass. Uh, Lazard had separation there. And, you know, I know it's not much more, but if all of a sudden he ends with three catches, you know, what, 50 yards and two touchdowns, two touchdowns it right. probably feels a lot more different than just the the two catches and the one touchdown. So um, I, I think he's going to get more and more involved in the offense. He also had, uh, I want to say like maybe a handful of plays that he went out after getting kind of run over a little bit on that outside play to Christian Watson. So uh, he's going to be a main mainstay and a main target in this offense. But remember too, they clearly went into this game wanting to get the running backs a ton of touches and Rogers came out of the last game saying like, we got to get Sammy Watkins more touches too. He gets targeted four times and then you just start talking about basic math and, and trying to you know, divvy up all the targets. So uh, not, not super shocking, but he's obviously going to be a huge, you know, huge part moving forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How do you feel about this offense, the approach we saw last night heading down to Tampa? Because it's one thing, as you pointed out, against a talent-deficient group in Chicago. And they have some players, obviously, but Tampa is a whole nother world. You look at that game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the game against the Saints uh, yesterday. But, man, that, that group, they're nasty. And it's, it's hard to uh, find space either – you know, between the tackles or downfield, are they all three levels? They are they are a tough nut to crack. How do you feel, or how do you think Lafleur and company try uh, going about it? Do they fall into the trap of okay, we're going to try and throw it because you expect us to run? How do you think they they kind of attempt to move the ball and score some points on this Bucks D? My hope, and one of the things I was really impressed against the Bears defense is, is clearly the Bears knew coming off the game where Jones only got eight touches that Jones and Dylan were going to be heavily involved in this game plan. But it was really tough to tell even when it was going to be Jones, when it was going to be Dylan, and just how they were going to involve those guys. They involved them in pitch plays, in draws, in counters, in the passing game, in screen, like just in every way imaginable. AJ Dylan's lead blocking for Aaron Jones, like. I thought how they mixed those guys in and where you just never knew where it was coming from or how they were going to attack with those guys. So it's like saying like, 
you knew Devante or Justin Jefferson going back a week ago, right? You knew Justin Jefferson was going to be a focal point, but he's lined up all over the place and it makes it that much harder because it, it just keeps you a little bit, you know, sort of what's going to come next. And I thought Matt LaFleur did a phenomenal job in this game of like, yes, it's going to be Jones and Dylan, but you don't know how, when, what, why, where, how, like, um, and I think if they can go into that, into Tampa with that similar sort of philosophy, mix in a little bit, I, I, I would like to see a little bit more of just some of the, you know, the end arounds, the jet sweeps, the motions, the the reverses, like all of that stuff, especially with Christian Watson as a counter a little bit earlier, um, just to make them think about a, a few more things and, and maybe, you know, maybe a couple play actions early and it's almost to set up the run rather than the reverse. Right. Um, right. But, I, you know, I'm really interested to see because I think this is a, a game where the, the two defenses are ahead of the two offenses at this point. Um, I, I'm going to, you know, just no say already, I, I kind of like the under in this game, but I think it's going to be a really <laughs> fun matchup. Yeah, I think a lot of Fournette is coming Green Bay's way, no doubt about it. And also, you talk about the motion. Yeah, great. Let's let's practice the timing there, boys. The Good call. Snapping the ball into the motion, guys, uh, is a new one. It's one of those things that you always kind of marvel at the fact that they don't do it, and then they did it, and it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Nat- of course the Packers do it on national television. Naturally. In time, Christian Watson's going to one-hand that and take it and on yeah, the just fly and just go, yep. right? You know, he'll, he'll get it. Yep. Absolutely. They're working on it. They're working on it. Let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Man, Kenny Clark, a man among boys, uh, his performance once again, you know, we talked about it last week. He was one of the few guys on that side of the ball who showed up in Minneapolis. I think had a lot more help this week, but God, I don't know how you talk about the defense. Obviously, Quay Walker jumps off the screen. Jair has the big play with the interception. I think there's a number of guys there. Preston Smith, I thought, had a phenomenal game, but it all starts with Kenny. I mean, his performance I don't think it's funny too, because I think there are times, I think there are a lot of times where his work goes unheralded because he doesn't make quote big plays, but God darn, he blows stuff up and owns ever. I mean, not every single man on man block that he ever encounters, but more often than not, you're having trouble with him. If you're an offensive center guard, what have you, I just can't say enough about the work he does and what he means to this defense. Cause he is a, God on that football field. I, I couldn't agree more. And a couple things. A, this defense plays really well when Kenny plays really well. When he is on his game, which he has been, um, they're on their game more often than not. He just sets everyone up on this defense for success. And that's sort of like, you, 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 there's no assists on defense, so to speak. I know there's tackle assists, right. but there's no assists in the, in the box score. Um, and, and Kenny Clark would have so many where, you know, he's forcing guys to go to the outside and Gary and Preston get the tackle, you know, because of it, or he's collapsing a pocket inside, which allows the edge rushers to get home, or he's getting pressure, um, which is, you know, forcing interceptions or incomplete passes where, you know, maybe guys wouldn't have the same luck if, if Kenny wasn't doing that. So the, the impact that he has on the game is just felt at every other position. And again, when he's going well, this defense is going well. And to your point, like, yeah, there's different things that defenses will try against him, but like there are so few players that there are maybe some bigger, stronger guys who can hold up at the point of attack against double teams, but the vast majority of those players can't also pass rush like Kenny. They can't also, you know, explode into the backfield and get tackles for loss like Kenny. Like the the repertoire that he has to be able to hold up at the point of attack against double teams, you're, you have no chance in a single team block of getting him off of his spot. Right. 
Um, and then again, the ability to disrupt on the, and, and reset the line of scrimmage. He just has everything in his game. He's not like, he's not the Aaron Donald explosiveness where it's going to be usually one stepping in, but like, who cares? He's so powerful and he's just a monster in everything that he does. And I, I'm glad you called it out. And Preston Smith, the other one in this game, who I think oh, is off goodness. to a really nice start to the season, a couple sacks in this game. Um, I, you know, after the 20, 2019, he looked phenomenal. 2020, he did not look anything like right. his 2019 self. Thought he had a nice bounce back a season ago. But when you have something like the 2020 season that did not go according to plan at all, you always just wonder of like, all right, what Preston Smith are you going to get? And I think his first right, yeah, two games yep. have really set season we can expect from him i don't think there's any doubt i absolutely loved that getsy tried to run the guitar fake and take take a shot and preston's had to have seen that a million times in practice and been like yeah no that's not gonna happen i'm coming after that and i I think too like offensive coaches need to abandon a little bit the the down 14 like you know crazy play action fakes like defenses aren't buying that crap like they're not buying play action anywhere near as much as they did in general anymore but if you're down you know by 14 points and you're trying these elongated play action fakes we saw it against Minnesota last week like Green Bay was running some play action so Eric Hendricks just busts right up and says I don't care you can hand it to him I don't care I'm going right after your quarterback like that stuff's not going to work when you're down 14 in the second half I mean, talk about what's not going to work. What's not going to work is the defensive front not getting off their blocks in that fourth quarter. I mean, I understand you're protecting a lead, and I understand you're playing back too high, what have you. But, man, that was embarrassing. When the opponent is converting on second and 20 on the ground, That that is just not great to put on tape because those are the things where it's like I understand the game is pretty much – it's not over, but it's not really in the balance at that point. The Packers have firm control – but man, it was so clear that they were not going to throw the football on a dare. You know, they were running the ball, come hell or high water. I think they really felt their quarterback was pretty limited, and I think that's fair enough. But man, that that was tough to watch uh, that drive in, in particular. But kind of through the whole fourth quarter, where I, again, I understand you're sitting back and I understand you're protecting a lead, but wow, you got to get off a block up front. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think one of the almost positives in a weird way that I take away from this game is, and I know it's the Bears. I Let's just say it again, but they held right. the Bears to, to 10 points in this game and 41 total plays and basically no production. Um, and I didn't think they played all that great. And the right. reason I say they that is- They played their best game. Yeah, yeah. No, it, you know, they, they didn't get off a of block specifically in the fourth quarter. There was some abysmal tackling at times. Um, there were a couple of times where guys got open in the secondary as well. And thankfully the, the pass rush was able to cover for it. But man, this defense has a, another few steps, in my opinion, that they can take in a positive direction. And they've allowed three touchdowns in two games. And two of those were on the opening drive. And even one of the field goals that they allowed of their 33 points was on the offense based off of a turnover. Like this defense has been pretty stingy and I would say they're playing like B minus football so far of what I think they're actually capable of. So I think that's, like I said, in a way, a a positive where they actually got a lot of things out of this game. I think that they can continue to work on and hopefully that actually helps set them up for Tampa Bay uh, and things that they know that they're going to have to do better against Tampa than they did against Chicago at the same time, you know, you, I think they took a major step from Minnesota to, to Chicago from week one to week two. And if they can take a similar step from week two to week three, that's going to make things very, very difficult on that Tampa Bay offense. You, you mentioned you, looking at the tape from the defensive side of the ball. Was there anybody that surprised you? Was there anything that you saw that maybe you didn't catch live or somebody that, I don't know, just kind of jumped out in any way? Or was it pretty much confirming what you felt in real time? 
Yeah, most of it was confirming. Like I said, Preston definitely had a great game. You mentioned, you actually mentioned almost all the guys, right? Like Preston had a nice game. Kenny had a great game. Um, you know, I thought Quay Walker, like you said, jumped off the tape. I mean, obviously not many linebackers that are going to make that play on Justin Fields to stop him at the the one inch line and just some of those sort of things. Um, I thought Savage had a little bit of a tough game. I thought Devondre Campbell at times, even the first two games for Campbell, just some uncharacteristic missed tackles. There were a couple plays where, Quay wanted to go under a block instead of fight it off and go over it, which opened up a couple of those big holes for Montgomery, a couple things like that. Um, Stokes had some ups and downs. Uh, Jerron Reed, I thought, actually had um, a couple nice plays, just holding up at the point of attack. I thought he played much better in week two than he did in week one. And I think hopefully that's, you know, kind of a um, harbinger of things to come for him. But nothing, nothing to, and it's, I think, again, the, the thing that's really crazy is when you only have 41 plays on defense, it's tough for like, there's, a not, a to, like, there's not a ton of, yeah, right. you, you right. kind of get what you saw in those 41 plays. But overall, like I said, some, some good positives. But again, I'm almost encouraged by the fact that I thought they played kind of like a, a C game and a B minus game and, and still had that production. They're definitely going to be needing. Uh, Reed and TJ Slayton and Lowry to up his game because I didn't think Lowry played particularly well last night either. Those guys are going to have to step their game up because, look, we know it's going to be a, a steady diet of Fournette in the running game from the Bucks, and Tom's going to take his play action shots and he's going to try. And we saw it against the Saints, you know, especially late in that game. Now, who knows about the Evans situation? Uh, you know, Godwin probably, I would suspect, probably won't play yet again. So, they're catching a break in that regard, but none of that is going to matter if they can't hold up up front. We've seen this Tampa team now, uh, you know, both since Tom's gotten there, but specifically against the Packers where, you know, they know they can run the football and they do run the football and it opens up everything. To me, that's the one question because so far Packers seem a little improved up front, but it certainly hasn't been, you know, this giant leap that maybe some people were hoping for from the defense and from the run defense in particular. And that's got to start on Sunday. No, I totally agree. And I think there's a couple, couple big reasons why, right? Because a, those guys, the Lowry's, the Slayton's, the Devonte Wyatt's, those type of guys, the guys they're playing next to are Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark. So like those guys are going to do the primary heavy lifting for you. Um, if you can just make a couple of plays here and there, I think that is going to make things so much easier for the rest of the defense. And then I think the other thing too, is that, you know, if, if they can hold up at the point of attack, I think better than they did certainly in this game and rotate in the way that they have the depth, right? This isn't like one of those situations where you've got two, maybe three guys you can play. If they can really hold up and rotate those guys in at a much higher clip, all of those guys should be fresh. All of those guys should be ready to go. And I think that gives all of them an advantage too. So I'm with you. I would like to see them play at a higher level, I think in the fourth quarter. And there was no reason to like, it's not like the bears wore them down. And in the like, again, they were playing in their thirties for snap count yeah. there. So right. um, it's just got to be a little bit better. And I think it will be as the, as the season goes along. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Pat O'Donnell revenge game, special teams, baby. I mean, they didn't have a punt return yard, not one yard. That, that's improvement in my book. You know, the idea that we can punt it and not have to hold our breath is pretty amazing to me. It felt pretty good. I, I totally agree. And I, I think the thing too here is that, you can just feel a difference with guys like Dallin Levitt and Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon specifically well, everywhere. It's crazy. dude. It really is. It's and like those three guys you can tell have played a lot of special team snaps, right? Care about special teams, know what special, like know what their yeah, role take is. Take pride in their role. And take yes. pride in thousand that. Percent. 
And that just, that sets the tone in and of itself. And I think even we've seen guys like Josiah DeGuara and Tyler Davis and Isaiah McDuffie take after those leads. It's the same thing, right? You've got three aces on the top of your special teams. Now that makes it like they're setting the tone for everything else. And you can just see a huge, huge difference. And clearly, you know, those guys can't hold on, on kicks and they can't punt the ball and things like that. So it's up to guys like O'Donnell and Crosby and everyone else to do their job. But it just looks so much more cohesive than it did at any point over the last what few seasons. I totally agree. You got to love it. Basaccia's crew bringing the good so far. Andy, can't thank you enough for hanging out and talking ball. Make sure you check out Andy Herman's work at Packer Report here on Cheesehead TV with the Pack a Day podcast. Andy, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy your uh, victory Monday. Hell yeah.